0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblepodcast.com forward slash spirkin, Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Definitely check them out and we hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Warning: This podcast contains mature language, adult situations, insane inspectors who act like Zenigata, very helpful buxom assistants, super art thieves, short shorts, unsuspecting students, and insanely addictive opening theme songs. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Mount Juneau. Mount Juneau. i Don't call He me, me?
0: Episode 101, Nothing Cannot Be Stolen by Mouse Hello and welcome to another episode of the Monger Review, I'm your host Zahn, hope you're doing good today, I'm doing alright, and for those of you who can guess, I don't have a co-host today, yep, it's solamente mio, only me, because Cal is currently in England! Yes, he's in merry old Britain, doing a bunch of things which I don't know, and he hopes to go to Amsterdam. We'll find out next episode if he's had fun or not, hopefully. We'll find out. Chan is also missing. She's currently working, and the rest of the degenerates of the and manga view, they are somewhere in this world doing who knows what. For those you who don't know, Spark and side that provides information and reviews about manga. Our goal is to inform our listeners on what good manga is and what to avoid. There's a bunch of manga tiles out there. A lot of them are excellent and great and entertaining, while there's stuff out there which is pure reprehensible bullshit. It's crappy, it's boring, and to top it off, it's drawn like ass. Now there's a lot of good stuff out there and a lot of bad stuff and we will give you enough information so you can make the decision on your own and you don't have to agree with anything we say but keep an open mind and I've heard we've a little bit entertaining and also we're a little nuts here so whatever who knows and if you want to check us out at our main website www.sparkin.com where you can find out about our podcast the Sparkin Mong Review and any of our earlier episodes our supplementals and if you really are interested you can check out our sister podcast the Sparkin Movie Review which is released every. Every Saturday or something like that. And this main show is released on our Wednesdays. Also, you can email us at sparkin at gmail.com or zan at sparkin.com We have some other emails and I'll release them or you can check them out on the show notes if you want to do that. Either way, getting a little ahead of ourselves also. You can also call us at 206-350-8462. That again is two oh six three five zero eight four six two. You can follow us on Twitter for any updates or comments or rants I have. And if you have an Xbox Live account, I will kick your ass in Red Faction Gorilla or in any other FPS. You can check me out on Xan Space Spirken. Zan Spirican, where I'll fight you in almost any game, including Bioshock two and beat you with a wrench. We'll see. So think that's it. I think I've said everything well as you can guess, this is a new episode, an interesting episode, a very new era, because it is our hundred and first episode. Yes, 101 episodes. We've been here quite a long time. I've worked so hard just trying to keep this podcast going for the last two years, when Mason left, when also, and I've kept going. I've gotten further than Anime World Order, and I'm going to keep going as far as I can until the end, until this podcast is dead and done and you all hate me. And please email me if you hate me, or love me. I don't know. We'll see. Either way. I also have some news. As you can guess, we've been a little absent the last two weeks. That's because I need a vacation after episode 100. And yes, I've gotten five emails saying, The episode sounds horrible. Well, the problem was I had to record it on four different mediums, and combining them was a bitch and a half. I'm still working to fix the opening, which was me and Belchan talking in the intro. I'll hopefully get it a little bit better. The rest of it, well, it's the best I can do for right now. It's just the audio files are so fucked up. It's taking forever to fix them. So don't worry, I'll tell you when the remastered episode 100 comes out. Either way, since this is episode 101, a new beginning, you know, because we have been here 100 episodes and I've got a lot of new stuff, especially with the fact that we have a new sponsor, but we'll get to the sponsor in a little bit now. First off, let's get into something which is really important, which is news. Yes, for the first time in who fucking knows, we have a lot of news. Big one is the fact that, well, Viz Media laid off about roughly 55 people at their San Francisco headquarters, and they closed their New York branch, which kind of sucks because I applied to there. But it kind of sucks because they've pretty much fired 60 people, which is 40% of their workforce. It's kind of insane. And Viz confirmed the layoffs were important, but they never really mentioned how many total it was, and they said that they are in the process of refining its focus and restructuring to adjust changing industry and financial marketing realities. Now, their statement
2: was, as part of the restructuring, the company had to refine its workforce by eliminating certain positions and making cuts in other areas. We are, of course, saddened by these departures and sincerely appreciate the hard work, passion, and dedication of those who have moved on. But we feel confident that with these changes, Viz Media will be more streamlined and able to withstand the climate of the economy at this time. This restructuring was not insignificant, however. This was primarily an internal reprioritization to build towards a new future. We wish to apologize to our wonderful fans this new has called you concern. Be assured, Viz Media remains committed in its obligation to you. We have no plans at this time for drastic measures such as product cancellation or business line closures. Your favorite series are not going away.
0: Long story short, we're not airing out our laundry. If you find out on your own, your mangas aren't in trouble. I say bullshit because when a bunch of rats start leaving the ship, the ship is sinking. So I think something really is going on with Viz if they're getting rid of people. I think they're just trying to say, Hey, nothing's wrong. The building isn't on fire. I mean, I know the economy's bad right now. And that's because a lot of people aren't buying manga because of... lower jobs, lower allowances, so on and so forth. Pretty much the only thing we can do is we have to keep buying stuff. Keep buying manga and hopefully we'll be able to save Viz and other things. Viz isn't a bad company. Out of the five big companies, Viz has a lot of really good stuff. I mean, they have Ranma, they have One Piece, they have Rurouni Kenshin, they have Inuyasha, they have Rene, they have Monster, they have Ikigami, they have 20th Century Boys, and a lot of other really good titles. We have to keep them going. So if you have a chance, you do have the money, and you do like Viz, Buy some stuff, just don't pirate it online, please. Next one is a little bit more interesting, or strange if you want to say it. Now, the June issue of Kotakawa Shoten's Young Ace Magazine released a statement that says that four new mangas are coming out on June 4th, which is kind of cool. And the best thing is that, well, one of the artists we've talked about before and that is Kendi Aiwa. He's the artist who created the adaption to Welcome to the NHK which we reviewed last episode. Well, Fightbait did. And the story that he's creating is called Sugar Dark Umeretsu Yami to Shoujo or Sugar Dark, The Buried Darkness and the Girl. Which is based off a light novel and the premise is that it's about a boy named Moreau who's been falsely arrested and sent to a forest cemetery to perform forced labor. So pretty much he's been arrested, he went to jail and now he's working a labor camp. He's calling himself a gravekeeper now. He bumps into this really cute girl named Maria, and they become friends as he digs ditches and there's evil monsters known as the dark and some other stuff. So it's kind of horror romance. Sounds pretty cool. The other really big creator is Rikido Koshi. Now, if you've never heard of this guy, this guy is completely and utterly batshit insane. He's a guy who created Excel Saga, and he's creating a new series called Echo Xeon. Now, when I heard Xeon, I immediately thought, Zig Xeon! This is probably going to be a Gundam series. I don't know, but this has been his first manga he's creating in Young Ace, and it's going to be coming out in July. Viz Media may pick this up. We'll see. Who knows? Some other news we have. The creator of Inubaka, We're Crazy for Dogs, Yukia Sakuragi, her manga has ended. It's over, finished, and it's a series about this girl named Suguri who has this weird ability for dealing with all types of dogs at a pet shop. Ironically, Inubaka is on the wheel this week, but we'll get to the wheel in a moment. So hold on for a second, let me get the rest of the news out. Alright, and I do write this stuff on paper, it's kind of weird, I'm old school like that. Anyway, in Albuquerque. Well, there's a high school which voted on banning Death Note in that and all districts, and pretty much the vote failed. Yeah, I could go further into the whole Death Note debate, but we went over it last time, and it was just kinda what the fuck. It's not really much else, really, with the Death Note topic that I haven't said already or that any of my other cohorts have said, which is even worth mentioning. Now, something else going on is that DC Comics has decided to get rid of their CMX line, and it's been around for about eh, six years, give or take. And so what's happened is that DC's decided that since even though they've gotten so much stuff, they've been releasing so many cool series like Swan, and Mega Tokyo, and these other series, they've decided that as of July 1st, they're gonna cease publication of any new titles. They're gonna still come out with the other ones like Mega Tokyo, which is gonna be brandished as a DC comic officially, and besides that, they release a publication saying they wanna
2: Acknowledge the efforts and dedications of the CMX staff, and to our thanks, our fans who have supported CMX.
0: So what's another company's let's fucking get rid of it. Viz, let's fire off all our employees. DC, let's fire off all our manga employees. I'm starting to see a trend here, don't you? Just a little bit? Either way. On to some last bit of news. Well, one other thing this is kind of cool is that the manga author Yukiko Seki? has decided to create an adaption of Makoto Shinkai's 5 centimeters per second film. She's making a manga of it. Now, if you've never seen 5 centimeters per second, it's a weird... I'd like to say it's surreal, but it's almost slice of life-ish, which is an anthology of three stories involving this guy and his distance in life. Like, the first one is it's a physical distance, and- I heard Anime World Order may be covering it. That's what Clarissa is supposed to cover whenever they release that fucking new episode, which is probably going to be in 2014. They take so fucking long, but she's going to review it in that. So you can check that out. It's a pretty cool movie. I definitely recommend it, even though it is out of print. You can probably find it on Netflix or online. That's really... It. and if you've never heard of Makoto shinkai he's the guy who created voices of a distant star which is a movie he created himself with just his girlfriend and himself as a voice actors now there was a canadian artist who did the same thing for this weird like a samurai movie with wolves however voice of a distant star was done better honestly it was really done a lot better either way there's also a manga that tokyo pop released but you're never gonna find it because tokyo pop stuff has disappeared over the time and now Just to add a little bit of fun, a little bit of interestingness to this weird day, I have to release this weird and unusual topic. Now, if you've ever watched news, you've heard about this lady called Susan Boyle. This 50-year-old Scottish woman who became famous because she was ugly and horrific and hadn't left her house in years, and her best friends were her cats, and her mother died, and she really was a recluse and... almost a scottish hikikomori for lack of better words and she ended up on britain's got talent she proved to the world that she had a beautiful voice like this great and awesome voice that just well it was melodious and wonderful and when you look at this beast-like woman you're like how the fuck does she sound good she looks like a monster but getting off topic what happened is that she has been propositioned by an anime company to be the theme song singer for an anime series, and this movie is going to be called "Welcome to the Space Show." It's made by the guy who did "Reader Die." And I know this isn't an anime podcast, but the fact is, the fact that Susan Boyle, this horrific man woman creature who has a beautiful voice, is going to be doing the theme song, it's intrigued me into seeing this series. So far, the only thing we know about the movie is it's a family film, it's a science fiction film, and it's about this kid who moves into the countryside, and four friends are going to go on a space spanning adventure that takes them somewhere weird. And I am completely fucking confused about what she's going to sing because I didn't think Susan Boyle knew anything besides English and Scottish. But hey, we'll see. I mean, what else does she have to do? I mean, she went crazy and cried and went nuts and did other things and she has a beautiful voice and I don't think she has any propositions besides the fact that Hugh Hefner told her that there's no way in hell that she'd ever do a nude spread in Playboy. Even though I doubt that that'd be probably either the most sold issue ever made or would be the most reviled issue of Playboy ever made. Yes, yeah, so and now I know I've gotten rid of all of my female fans and most of my male fans are like oh god Susan Boyle but now let's get into something else since it is a 101st episode we have emails yes emails
2: the emails the emails what what the emails
0: I should do something else like make an email sound if you want make an email mp3 for this podcast and send it to me like a sound bite I could use for when the emails come on it'd be really cool send it to sparkin at gmail.com Or you can leave the voicemail yourself and just record it straight up on 206-350-8462, our voicemail. But either way. So we have two emails. First one is from Austin Landia, who is sending me an email from... I don't know. I think New York, maybe. But he's just wondering if any of you guys are going to Anime Next this year in Somerset, New Jersey. Now, if you remember last year, myself and my esteemed associate went to Anime Next. We met Fake and it was an awesome time. This year, however, it's a little bit more difficult because, one, my esteemed associate, he's stuck at work and he won't be able to get off. And financially, I don't know if I'm going to be able to swing it this year, but... Cal's interested in going on his own, you might see him there, he'll be wearing a spirekin shirt, and, well, Belle-Chan was debating about it. She may show up on the Sunday, we'll see. I mean, I really want to go, there's a lot of cool things there at Anime Next, and also it's really close to me, it's like, maybe, I don't know, two hours? And it's right next to where my brother lives, so I could just crash at his house and go there, but, we'll see what happens, it might be cool, it might be nice. Uh, oh... I can't do it either way, because it is on my nephew's christening day. It's on Nikki's christening day, if you remember, I have a nephew. So, that answers that question. I won't be able to go. But, I guess that's it for Austin. Oh, wait, he left me one other thing. He wants me to, as PS is, he wants me to review a bunch of manga. And, because of that, I'm going to put it on the Wheel of Manga for this week. Well, a couple of them, not all of them. I want to space it out a little bit. Ironically, the next email from Sarah Field, and that sounds like a fake name, or... It's either that or the celebrity, I don't know. But anyway, Sarah asks me... Here's it, love the podcast. Thank you, thank you very much.
1: Just a quick question for you. Do you rig the wheel of manga, or what? Because we never know what the hell's on there.
0: Well, Sarah, honestly, I don't. I know you people are like, bullshit, he's lying, but hear me out. Pretty much what happens is I take my list of the ten manga I pick for the week. Right? Right. Then I go to listrandomizer.org. And I put the list in there and I randomize it, right? Right. And then I actually post it on the forums, sparkin.rapidboards.com. I may actually put a section in the actual website, www.spirecan.com, for the list randomizer to put, actually, here's what the wheel is for this week. Might be cool, I don't know. You put that on there, and then what I do is I spin the wheel, Whatever it lands on, that's what I do. I don't pick, I don't say, hey, I'm going to do this one, because there's a lot of times I get shit I don't want to review. Perfect example, Angel Sanctuary. I didn't want to review that. Or worst, I didn't want to review that. But, you know, there's other things like Socrates in Love, and there's some other series I review and get. Not bad. But that's what I do. I mean, if you want me to, I will post up the list whenever you guys want just email me or i could make an actual video of myself spinning the wheel of manga but that would reveal the mystery of the wheel of manga and what it actually looks like because people speculated one guy said it's just a fake wheel that you made out of paper and tin no not that lazy i actually did something pretty cool with it but again we're getting off top so i think that's it for emails yeah only the two nothing else please send me some emails at gmail.com or zan at sparkin.com be really cool to get those emails really honestly seriously but Either way, let's get into what we've all been waiting for. And you know what I'm speaking about. I'm talking about the review for this episode. Now, if you remember, in the wonderful and great episode 100, besides the fact I had the really trippy ending, which if you got the anime that Spiddinger was from, you get a cookie. Last episode, I spun the wheel of manga, which you've been speaking about, and it dictated unto me that I'd be reviewing a very perverse manga, a very interesting manga. And what manga am I speaking about? I'm talking about... Mouse. (laughs) Yes, Mouse. Written by Satori Akahori. Wait, I know that name, Satori Akahori. Haven't I reviewed something else from him? Actually, I did. In episode one of the Mong review, this first episode, which came out two years ago in two weeks, I reviewed Sorcerer Hunters, Bacaret Sai Hunters. Yes, so this guy who did that did this, so you can expect there's a lot of etchy humor and a lot of comedy and adventure in this. Pretty cool. He also did Abinabashi, Maze, Saper Marinette J, and some other manga, which I won't mention here. It was also illustrated by Hiroshi Itaba. It was published by Hoka Sencha, and it hasn't been released over here for some odd reason. I don't know why. It could be because of the massive nudity. I don't know. But anyway. It is a Sennon manga. It was originally released in Tankaban form around 2000, roughly, to 2004, so for four years. There's 14 volumes. There was also a 12-episode anime, with each one was 15 minutes long, so they're almost like half episodes, which kind of covered the entire series in a really weird way, changed some of those topics, and had a little bit less nudity, but had a kick-ass opening theme, which I'm playing right now in the background. And there was also a prequel, which was created called Mouse. Bakumatsu Den, which came out in 2005, which explains when he first started out. Well, and it'll be an adventure comedy harem etching series. So you can guess there's a lot of boobies and perverted and stuff about. Yes, there is. Now, Mouse is about Mouse. A super thief. And the first records related to mouse date back to the Tensho period, 1504 to 1521. And from the diaries of Sunatoyo Senji, a member of the nobility, for a long time a thief going by the name of Mouse has lurked about this town. It's said that the famous Nezumi Kozo of the Edo period was also part of this Mouse dynasty, but no one really knows. Even in the Meiji, Taisho, and Showa periods, records of thief from Mouse or Nezumi has existed throughout time. And at the end of the Showa period, the theft suddenly just kind of came to a halt and stopped. But it didn't end there. It wasn't long before Mouse appeared again. And that's where we open up, because Mouse is a thief who's been around supposedly for 400 years. No one knows where the hell he's from or what's going on, and it's been about 20 generations since Mouse appeared. Now, the manga opens up in Yamano School in Setagawa, Tokyo. It's a pretty big school. The number of students are roughly 30,000, and it's huge. It's a giant school with a proud history, dating back years and years and years, about 120 years, and it's about the size of Clamp Academy. It has multiple universities, multiple high schools, multiple grade schools, hospitals, it's its own town almost, except it's not shaped like a demonic pentagram. And it's a very prestigious school it's run by some family that isn't around anymore. The manga opens up with this guy, Sarada Moon. Now Sarada is, as he's running, he's simple looking guy, kind of frail, thin, wearing a lab coat for some odd reason. He's got long hair, a ponytail which goes down to his back, and he's just kind of a normal looking guy. As we find out later, Serata is an assistant art professor at the school. He's also a graduate student. So what happens is, is he's working on his graduate program. He's working at the school to get credit as the art teacher for the high school students. And apparently he does really good work. And he's running to a faculty meeting where the school is being addressed by Fuyuhara, the dean and chairman of the school. And he's addressing them in a very cool way as opposed to doing like a loudspeaker having an actual meeting. He is so monolithic that he has to address them via a video screen. And as they're she's going into the school, suddenly he bumps into one of the teachers, and she says, Mr. Muon, this is the third time this week you've been late, and I know that you're a graduate student, but still, you're setting an example because you're an assistant art teacher at our high school, so why are you late again? And Muon is like, uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm really sorry, Miss um, Momozono. Now, this is one of the first main characters, May Momozono. She is a physics teacher, 22 years old, and tall, statuesque, blonde hair, and and with a, I'll say, a J-cup in Japanese. She's pretty stacked, really thin, and she's pretty mad. And as she's chastising and yelling at Sorata, another teacher shows up and saying, you, you can't be slacking. You should be on time, and you have to follow the rules. All of us do. And this girl shows up, short hair, looks kind of tomboyish, wearing a tracksuit. And this is an, the physical education teacher, Kaikyo Hazuki. And she's a little bit tomboyish, and she's yelling and be like, what's wrong with you? You're just being a stupid, lazy man. A little upset. And they're both chastising him, and he's like, oh man, this isn't fair. I'm just tired and sleepy. And as he's sitting there regretting, another teacher shows up and bumps him. Well, this is the school nurse, Yayoi Kurabayashi, who is typical brown-haired, big glasses, nice, a little shy, and she has huge huge boobies i'm talking icon level double g boobs like huge jiggly bubbly whatever and she says oh i'm sorry mr moon that you're getting yelled at but i have something that'll keep you awake she pulls out this little bottle it's a concentrate of caffeine if you take this you'll be able to stay up for a long time be very careful if you take it more than once You won't ever sleep again. And he's like, Oh God, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna die. I'm gonna okay, I'm sorry, please don't hurt me. And as he's going off, he's just a little skittish, he goes away and they're just kinda angrily glaring at him, and so he goes to his class and he is teaching art to high schoolers which are about maybe four years younger than him as he goes and he says we're gonna go on a field trip today guys we're gonna see a cr- exhibit at the museum and i'll see some of the golden mayan era and all the students are like yay yay and we're introduced to these three girls their leader who is named machiko Tsukikoka, and she is a girl who is like oh chu seems very scared today and her friend's like yeah yeah if, if I was yelled at by the three beauties of the school, I would be chastised too. You think he likes any of them? And Machiko's like, no, there's no way he can like someone. Chu is Chu and he's just himself. As you can guess, she's madly in love with Serata and she wants to have his kids and have his family and she's crazy in love with them. But either way, if you noticed, they call him Chu-Chan. Now you're probably wondering, what the hell does Chu-Chan have to do with him? Well, Chu means squeak. The reason why they call him that is because he's like a mouse, he's very timid, but it's kind of funny. Well, we'll get into it a bit. So they go to this school exhibit, and there's construction going on, and as they're walking in, everyone's looking around, having fun. Machiko and her friends are crowding around Sorata, just they won't leave him alone. And he's just following around, they keep talking to him, like saying, what's that? What's that? What's that? Meanwhile, Machiko's not hiding the fact that she's interested in Sorata, kind of like, well, what about that, Chu chan What's that do? And he's like, please don't call me Chu chan I don't appreciate it. And as they're walking around, they come to this golden skull, which is in a case. And he's like, oh, what's that, Chu chan And Sorada's like, well, that is the golden skull that was found recently by the mine. It's the only one of its kind, and it's very valuable, and it's just kind of nice. And as they're talking about it, and Machiko starts blabbing on like an airhead, you see Sorada's eyes suddenly take a glint as he talks about that's the only one of its kind. And he's like, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? And as the girls walk away he suddenly smirks and moves his hand really quick and walks away and as he walks away on the display case you see a note taped saying at three p m this skull will be stolen by mouse as you can guess serrata is a super thief mouse now, as you can probably guess, because of this note, the museum's in an uproar and they call the police to come in. And the cops show up and, they're like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? We're going to get that mouse. And there's this one guy, this inspector, who's like,
2: I will get him today. That mouse, he keeps hiding from me, and I will get him and catch him, and he will be mine. I will bring him to justice.
0: <laughs> and yes, this guy has an Inspector Zenigata level of obsession with mouse. Mouse is his lupin. He's the one that got away that Onizawa is trying to get a hold of and trying to capture. And as they're walking away, Machiko notices the cops like, What's going on? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, hey Minami! Serato says and he waves to the inspector's assistant and he's like, Oh, Chu chan He's like, why are you calling me Chu chan Well, now you can assume that's where the nickname came from. He's like, well... It's like, that infamous thief Mouse is gonna be showing up. He says he's gonna steal the skull at 3 o'clock so we're here to get him and whatnot. Oh, really? Alright, have fun. And as they're walking away, Machiko says, You think that mouse will be able to steal it, Chu chan And he's like, Yeah, anyone can do anything possible. And as they turn away, you see the glint go across Serata's face and goes, There's nothing that cannot be stolen by mouse. Mouse! And then from there, what happens is that as the cops are setting themselves, getting ready to go, suddenly, suddenly the room starts to shake. Someone says, Earthquake! So everyone starts running out of the building being cops, as opposed to staying thing, oh, it's something different. Everyone runs out, and as they run out, turns 3 o'clock, this entire museum, which is roughly 900 feet by 900 feet in diameter, give or take, it's a huge museum about the size of a small mall, it gets stolen. It just falls, sinks into the ground, and as it's sinking into the ground, you just see a masked figure in black with straps, and he looks pretty cool. Check out on the homepage for a picture of Mouse, because he is really cool looking. And he's standing there and he says, The Golden, the golden skull, skull, is skull is mine. Ha ha ha. And as he's watching, Inspector Onizawa is like, Mouse!
2: You got away again!
0: As opposed to trying to jump into the hole or do something else, he just kind of seethes as Mouse was able to get one over on him. And so, later on, is going home with a package. And in the package, you can guess, is the Golden Skull. And as he walks in, he's like, I just hope everything works out. And as he walks in, he goes to his apartment and... Grabs the door. It almost looks like it has a thumbprint lock. As he holds the door, door open. And as he walks in, he hears, go,
1: go, go,
0: or in English, "Master." He's like, "Oh good. Turns around, and who do you see? You see Mei, Yayoi, and Hazuki, all dressed up in very provocative outfits, saying, "Oh, Master, you're home. We're sorry we are so mean class. We know you were tired because you're planning the..." thievery we're sorry please punish us and and please oh I did so good please reward me with your and they are propositioning him and rubbing against him and being very well most guys would have thrown themselves on top of them by now and he's like oh it's okay can you stop this and they say no and then they jump on him pile him and then we can assume that naughty time happened yeah this is a very as you could say perverse manga there's a lot of sex in it and unlike with a lot of other harem series where the guy never gets laid the girls don't like him this one guaranteed every chapter or most chapters he's getting sex from one of his assistants or a random other person he has a lot a lot of sex it's crazy like and that was only the first chapter the second chapter is literally he does a job he comes home and then it's the three girls competing with one each other to have sex. And you could see that each one has their own little thing going on. Like the first one, May, the tall blonde, like almost the leader of them, she is very, I'm gonna do whatever I can to help him out, I'm the oldest of your servants, because they're his servants. They will do whatever he says, and you find out that the reason why May works with him is because of the fact that her family is like the dedicated servants to the Muon family. And they've worked forever working on him, and what happens is that she was saved by him on their first caper together and she's become enamored with him and she's oddly in love with him and she wants to do whatever she can to make him happy and she gets very jealous of him the other thing is that whenever she sees him in short shorts she goes crazy because it reminds her of when they first met and she's a little bit of a shotokan because she likes it when he's dressed up like with little short shorts or like bug catching gear and whatnot and she'll kind of drool and try and jump on him and do things to him a lot of things to him then you have Yayoi Yayoi is well she's a very repressed girl. Later on you find out her story is that she was afraid of men, and because of an incident which happened she stumbled upon May and Sarada having sex when he was a young young kid and well not that young maybe middle high school student but either way as she watches May and Sarada having sex she's impressed by how domineering and how strong he is and it makes her hot and bothered and she was kinda got interested in it And he had to save her at one point. There's a whole story which I'm not even going to get into. But he saves her, and then, well, she's now his pet. Almost. She will do anything he says, and she constantly wants him to punish her. She is a bottom. (laughs) Well, she has a big bottom, but she's a bottom. She is submissive and wants him to do anything. And she's constantly like, please punish me, master. Please walk me around like the dog I am. Please. And you're kind of like, okay. Kind of kinky and weird, but please don't smother me with your giant boobies. And then last there is Hazuki, who is, well, she's a cosplay nut. She likes dressing up in different costumes. And more often than not, whenever you see her, she's wearing a kinbaku. That's that rope strap thing that a lot of bondage people wear, so they can't move and they can things can be done to them. She's more into, like, kinky play than submissiveness, so she's a little more down-to-earth and more not as creepy as Yayoi. Yayoi's just kind of like, use me as a bathroom, use this, and just soil me. And you're like, okay her deal is that she has multiple personalities when she was young her parents died and she ended up living with her uncle who was abusive and mean because of the fact that her father left this treasure didn't say what it was but the only person who knew was hazuki and because of him beating her and abusing her she developed multiple personalities i think it's like six of them and they never could come out and what happened was that Serato went to find the treasure actually dressed up in drag in a pretty cool sequence And he figures out the treasure and saves her and endears her to him and she's now madly in love with him and she wants to do anything she can to make him happy just like Mei and Yayoi. And Hazuki is the more playful of the bunch when she's not in her teacher role. In her teacher role she's an uber bitch but it's pretty unique how she's designed to be a multiple personality case yet she's so playful and fun. This gave Satori a lot to play with so he has a character who can be seven characters at once but they're merged so it's pretty unique to do that. So each of these girls are Mouses, Serata's assistants, and they help him with all of his capers do different things, like Yayoi uses the computer to hack and Zuki is the one who infiltrates areas and can change into different people, she's the master of disguise. And then Mei is the person who finances all the stuff and she's the one who mainly helps him out when there is issues, like if he needs a decoy she'll dress up like him and save the day. And they help him out and they work kinda hard to make him happy. And when he's not in mouse mode, they try to rape him, severely. And this, that's what the series is about. Essentially, it's. I know you're like, this sounds kind of boring. Well, it's not. It's pretty action-packed because there's a lot of cool crimes. It's all art thievery, and it's. He works on a crime. They help him out. He does the crime. Onizuka is after them. He almost catches them, but they get away. And that's essentially what it is. And there's a lot of sex humor in it. That it's very formulaic. It could go on and on with. Okay, this happens. This happens. This, but it's not. It's very formulaic, and it's a little strange at times because there's a lot of interesting stories like some of the heists that he does is he steals an entire tower he steals well he saves a girl from a pedophile by deflowering her in a very weird way because he's trying to steal her lingerie it's this whole thing he steals cherry blossom at one point he steals a stag beetle he steals a giant mushroom which is 30 inches which hazuki says is smaller than his matsutake which that thing is 30 centimeters, so if he's bigger than 30 centimeters, he's a big guy, which would explain why the women are after him. He also steals wine. He steals an entire house. He steals a lot of weird and unusual things. And it's very formulaic at first, with the like I said, with the chapters just going, okay, we're setting up the heist, doing the heist, the end, so on and so forth, back and forth. And the particulars always change, but the setup is like, can he do it? Is he able to do it? Is you're going to make things better, and you just learn more about this universe itself. Only in Volume 5 is it when it gets really interesting, because of the fact that you're introduced to another group called 4S. Now, 4S is a group of art fanatics who, alright, Mouse steals art because he wants to just steal it. 4S's job is there to protect art, but they've become, from the original goal, which we have to protect all art, to we have to take all art, keep it away from the public eye, and we'll sell it to the highest bidder. So they become a bunch of assassins and crazed fanatics who just want to kill people and get art. And they're very cruel and ruthless. And ironically, their top agent, Juan, who whenever you hear it, it sounds like the sound the dog makes. Like, woof. He is their biggest assassin, their biggest paid killer, and he is an adversary to the Muon family. He actually killed Serata's father, supposedly. Well, it's kind of weird because they say he's still alive, but he's a very bad man. Very, very bad man. He's an adversary, but he's released way later in the series. Now, some other things about the series which should be known is the fact that the chairman of the school, Fuyuhara, is Momozono's grandfather. So the entire school is actually Mouse's headquarters. Like, their hidden rooms and hidden passages and all this supercomputers and all these other things which will assist Mouse in his different endeavors and thievery. And overall, it's a pretty, well... Honestly, weird series. It's kind of generic at times, but it's pretty entertaining, and I happen to like it. A lot of people won't like it because it's so formulaic. I dug it. I like the character. I like Mouse. I mean, the fact is that he's not the type of guy who's going to be like an Otaru, where he's like, yeah, girls are throwing themselves at me. I'm going to do all of them. Serata's like, I don't want to do things. Leave me alone. I just want to relax. I want to be able to have fun and just do my own thing. I mean, there are times when he uses it to his advantage, like... There's a girl who won't give him a formula and he ends up sleeping with her in order to get the formula, but he kind of stays away from it. The only time he really shows that he's got a sex drive is when he's drunk. Then immediately it's just crazy, like there's an entire thing, it's the New Year's chapter. When it's New Year's and you see all the servants of the Muon family, there's like 300 of them. All attractive women who are very hot, plus his personal servants, which are the three girls. And they're all throwing themselves at him. He's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to. Do it. I don't, leave me alone. I just want to relax today. It's a day to relax. A day to relax. And as they're harassing him, what happens is that Fuyuharu gives him some sake, gets him completely drunk, and then suddenly he jumps on all of them. And Sorato wakes up. He's like, What the hell happened? I just remember drinking with Fuyuharu. What? What happened? And he looks around at his bedroom, and there's like 50 girls all unconscious. Like,
1: please, master, not again, please. Uh... Thank you,
0: I'm so f- It's like, oh, okay. I'm really surprised that Serrata doesn't have like 200 bastard children at this point. I really... I'm not surprised. Now, the art style is really, really good. I enjoy it. It's, besides the fact that it is a little bit sexy and there is fan service in it. I like the designs of a lot of the costumes. I love the designs of some of the machinery that Mouse uses for his heists. Also, I like just the designs of the treasures themselves. I mean, there's a beautiful necklace that's drawn. There's a lot of statues which are very elegant. The crystal skull looks like it's made of metal, which is really nice. Well, it's a golden skull. I keep saying crystal skull. Damn you, Steven Spielberg and in Indiana Jones for perverting my brain. Damn you. But art style is really cool. Story is a little formulaic. For that reason, I'd have to give... Well, personally, I would give this... Ball from a friend and don't return Let's offer Pocky. If you don't read this, it's a really good story. I like it, but it is formulaic. So for that reason, I'm going to have to give this A gift for me crazy Aunt Muriel. Okay, but unforgettable. It's a series which boils down to a super thief who steals all his artistic stuff and won't leave any of his assistants behind. No matter what happens, if they get shot, if they get stabbed, he will go and save them. And he endears himself into their hearts and in the hearts of every other woman possible. And yes, this is very fake and unreal, but it's something which you could strive for and you actually like a lot. And I enjoy this series very much. And it's unforgettable, in my opinion. And girls won't like this because it's very perverse and there's a lot of boob jokes, but hey, it's a guy manga. It's obviously a s- set and itchy. Ah, you know but, what? Fuck it. I'm going to give it my rating, which I've used so many times, but I think it deserves it. If you don't agree with me, it's no problem. Guys, you may be may like it, girls, you may hate it, but I like this series. I'm a guy and I liked it, even though it is very repetitive and very strange. I'm going to give it A, from a friend I don't return unless offered Pocky. It's that good. It's that interesting, and to be honest with you, I liked it. I liked the characters and I am now going to create Mouse on Smackdown vs. Raw, just for the fucking hell of it, because I'm in a weird mood, so I'm going to make him in, well, when we're done recording. So, before I forget, because there is something important we got to talk about, i got to talk about the fact we have a sponsor. Now, if you're listening in the beginning, we have a sponsor, Audible.com. Now, Audible.com is a website which allows for you to download audiobooks and they're pretty cool. They're very nice and they're very different and they've decided to give us the Spark and Mower review a little deal for you guys. Now for you the listeners of the Spark and Mower review podcast, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their services. Now, there's a bunch of different titles you can get like me personally, at work I've been listening to Braindroppings Droppings by George Carlin, a very cool book and it's very fun, and it's very different. And I was able to get it for free on audiblepodcast.com forward slash spirkin. And you could definitely check it out. There's a lot of other books. If you don't like that book, it's no problem. There's things like House Rules by Jody Picolt, Bite Me by Christopher Moore, I Am The Messenger by Mark Zurich. There's a bunch of books. There's over 75,000 books you can get. And, hey, it makes it a lot easier. I mean, I love reading. Don't get me wrong, but they take a lot of room. The audiobooks you can get from Audible.com, you can just put them on your podcast or your Zoom, and you are ready to go. You're ready to set. Now, all you got to do to download your free audiobook today is you go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash Spirekin. That, again, it's audiblepodcast.com forward slash Spirekin for your free audiobook. If you need to spell it, it's in the show notes. You'll see it says sponsor, and it has the link. Or if you want to be a little bit easier, just go to our website, www.sparkin.com, and click on the link itself. It'll take you right there. You can fill it out. You'll be set to go. you get 14 days free to check out if you like, and if you don't. And if you do like it, hey, sign up for more and just check them out. It's worth it. I enjoyed it, and I'm saving money on it. It's not a bad program, and there's a lot of good deals going on. It's pretty affordable. I mean, $7.49 a month is not bad. So, I guess that's it for this episode of the Sparkin Review. You know, it's actually been going pretty long, which isn't bad. So. No, wait, what am I talking about? It's the part we've all been waiting for, the part you've been waiting for the most. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about that one, that only, Be, Be-, Be- we- Yes, friends, the Wheel of Manga, except no substitute. Now, what is the Wheel of Manga? It is a Wheel of Fortune with ten slots on it. What I've done is I've assigned a manga to each of the ten slots. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to spin the Wheel of Manga. And whatever number lands on that stream reviewing for episode 102 of the Spirekin Manga Review. And hey, it'll be pretty cool because we got some nice tiles that were given to us by Austin. And we also have some very interesting titles that some other people chose, including Cal. So we'll see what happens. So let me spin the Wheel of Manga. And we'll see what I'm going to be reviewing for episode 102X. Number 8. Now, number 8 is going to be Aria. Hmm. I've heard of it. I don't know. So, next week I'm going to be reviewing Aria. And it'll be back on time. So, I think that's it for this episode of the Spark and Mind review. Not much else I can talk about. I mean, I've already pimped out the sponsor. Pimped out the podcast. I talked about the review. And I guess that's it. So, as usual... This is your host, Zahn. I appreciate you guys listening, and it's for you guys to still be with us. Definitely check out our sister podcast, the Sparkin Movie Review, that's released on Saturdays, and also check out my sidekickery on the FightBait.com podcast, where I am John Paul's sidekick. And, well, that's it for this episode of the and Movie Review. There's not much else I could say, so, without further ado, this is your host, Zahn, and I am Gonsville. Catch you next time.
1: Et me